0: I am Sam, and this is Fall Risk. So, welcome back to Fall Risk, guys. Uh, welcome to a very new type of episode. For the first time ever on this show, I have invited a woofo to join me. Now, she's not. Just any woofo. Okay. She's not just a random woofo. She's been exposed to a fair amount of skydiving over the past 15 years, and that's because she's my little sister. Uh say hello to Shauna. Say hi, Shauna. Hi, Shauna. <laughs> very funny. Uh Shauna is currently sitting here with me to discuss um uh, a very, very cool topic in skydiving. Um, she's also uh
1: she's also crocheting right now. <laughs> I'm not crocheting. I'm sewing in the ends on a
0: crochet sweater. Yeah, she's a multitasker, that Shauna. Um, (laughs) So while she's doing that, I'm going to tell her a story. And hopefully it's an interesting enough story that she chimes in and asks some questions um, and is very interested in the topic at hand. So we'll see. We'll see if I if I keep Shauna's attention or not.
1: That's a um, lot of pressure to put on yourself, but I'm down. I'm <laughs> yikes. <laughs> it's, it's you versus sweater in terms of my attention right now. So <laughs> yikes. Hopefully, that this means is- the odds are stacked in your favor.
0: This is, this is what I grew up with guys. This is uh, I had to fight. I had to fight for this. Um, anyway. All right. So just a little backstory on Shauna really quick. She's my little sister. She's a little over a year younger than me. We have a lot of the same hobbies and interests, um, outside of skydiving. That is our parents. Yeah. Crocheting is one of them uh, fiber arts is one of them for sure. Um, our parents decided to name us both S names. So growing up was really fun listening to them constantly get our names wrong, which is great. But aside from all that, Shauna is probably one of the smartest and one of the most forward people that I know. And she's already got a fair, like I said, a fair amount of skydiving knowledge under her belt, just because of the secondhand exposure to it over the years. Um, whenever I tell her about my adventures or the crazy things that happened to me. So she's, she's like, a uh, a good well-informed woofo for sure. Um, to be honest though, uh, these are new types of episodes. I'm a little nervous about starting them, so I couldn't really think of a better person to sit with me during my first Tales from the Bonfire episode. So, Shauna, think First off, thank you for being here. I really appreciate your patience and your uh um willingness to be experimented on and be my guinea pig really appreciate that i mean no
1: that. worries a few things number one i think you're talking me up too much i've been on exactly one tandem skydive which you uh surprised me with for my birthday yeah um and yeah that's about it uh you've been so in the tunnel i was in the tunnel exactly once too but i don't want to be one of those woofos that conflates the two skills uh you know exactly on top of each other sure there's a lot of similarities but uh very different disciplines, <laughs> i would say mm-hmm. uh from from the outside view looking in <laughs> um for anybody
0: that's wondering too shauna crushed it in the tunnel she was she was arched the fuck
1: out Holy i was told i was being too flexible <laughs> which oh yeah I thought that that was the point, but flying
0: fast in the tunnel,
1: fast I in live, the wind tunnel, live life in the fast lane. I don't know, <laughs> guys. I I, I want to be really clear. I've been. This is podcast entrapment. I thought this was going to be a very simple oh I'm just like helping you test an idea and maybe like 10 seconds before recording started Sam informed me that this might very well air to your lovely computers phones and screens and um that's why I'm sewing in ends on a sweater I'm gonna be paying attention I promise but like I might not have a lot to say. We will see. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, no, I for sure did not. I was not up front. But I mean, no self-sabotaging. You can't intentionally make this dumb. If you do intentionally make this dumb, I am for sure going to air it. I'm for sure going <laughs> to put it out there. Uh, but yeah, um, Shauna's pretty great at multitasking. She's pretty great at, well, for the most part, I guess. I mean, sometimes there's phone calls where I'm like, should I just hang up? Because it seems like
1: you're busy. <laughs> I I often am. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, hopefully
0: we'll keep her attention. All right. Let's see if this is interesting enough. So. Before we get into it, what are Tales from the Bonfire episodes going to be about moving forward? Like these episodes are going to have to do with anything and everything skydiving history related. um, Things we don't normally talk about. Stuff that's in our history that we should know about that's interesting. That I think is interesting anyway. Um, Each episode is going to center around me telling a skydiving story to a new guest who will hopefully be interested and discuss the topic at hand with me. Um, I promised these types of episodes would be featured on the podcast a year ago when I first started this whole project. Um, And I'm finally, finally getting around to covering them. So here we go. All right. So today's episode is centered around a piece of skydiving history that has has fascinated me since last spring. Um, I've been reading on and off about the person that we're going to talk today. Um, And I've been trying to look at like, any resource that I can uh, find online, there's really no literature out there about about this person. Um, and if there is, I can't find it. So if you have any resources or if you can uh, point me in the right direction, like I would love that. So feel free to send me a message with that. But today we are here to talk about a woman called Tiny Broadwick. Shauna, have you ever heard of a woman named Tiny Broadwick beyond what I've told you?
1: You know that I have not. So uh, <laughs> I'm assuming she has something to do with skydiving
0: (laughs) you know i have not no i have not
1: (laughs) well okay here's here's my question back to you how many of your listeners would have heard of this one that's fair that's totally
0: fair um Uh, what I will say is that some, some media on her has been making the rounds on Facebook. Um, I've seen a couple of posts recently within the last couple of months about, about her specifically, like they're really glossed over versions of her story and her history, but she is for whatever reason, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, she is suddenly picking up, like there's more stuff out there about her recently. Um, I haven't, like I said, I haven't figured out why, but
1: but yeah, she's, she's got, got a killer name going for her. I mean, yeah, killer right. name. Very, very memorable.
0: <laughs> All right, Shauna, are you ready to get into it? Yeah. Okay, hold on to your butt. Uh, by the way, <laughs> that's a <laughs> Jurassic Park reference. I have been obsessed with re-watching that for the last few weeks. I've been making mom and dad watch that with me at night. <laughs> I at what I'm when I'm busy. This is the oh,
1: Park. Yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Sam Neill. Laura Dern, The Works, uh, The Incomparable, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, I've been watching them all. Like, I didn't realize how intense that movie was. I must have seen it a really long time ago, but we watched it again. And I was like, dang, that T-Rex scene would have scared the crap out of me when I was younger. I I can't believe I don't remember watching that. Um, Yeah. So anyway, hold on to your butts, guys. Uh, all right. So to get started. Georgia Ann Thompson Broadwick was born to parents George and Emma Ross in Oxford, North Carolina on April 8th, 1893.
1: So a while ago. Uh, 1893? She earned. That's before planes. What the That's... hell does this yeah. person have to do with skydiving? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Uh, she, she earned the
0: nickname Tiny as she weighed only three pounds at birth, which Ooh. I thought we were small babies. Growing up, I was five pounds, nine ounces. Shauna was four pounds, 11 ounces. This lady was three pounds at birth, which is wild. Um, she was the last of seven daughters, and she ended up only weighing about 85 pounds full grown and uh, was about four four feet, eight inches tall uh, when she reached adulthood. She is also known as Georgia Broadwick, Georgia Jacobs, Georgia Brown, and Georgia Brown over the course of her lifetime um tiny to be super real did not have a great life to begin with when she was six years old the family moved to a town in north carolina called henderson in vance county um her early life was difficult both as a child and in early adulthood uh for reasons we're about to get into in 1905 she married william a jacobs shauna are you good at math can you figure out how old she was at the time
1: Okay, she was born in 1893. You can use your phone to use your test. This is an open book test. I was informed <laughs> that it was in so my contract that this was going to be open book. She
0: was born in 1893.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. And
0: she married William A. Jacobs in 1905.
1: Oh, well, I can tell you without putting the numbers in the calculator, this is not enough years. <laughs> yeah. 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 Can you confirm not enough years, she was 12
0: years old when she got married, which is real was, wrong. When I real was 12
1: icky. years old, I was still fighting you for dominance of our shared bedroom, Fair so enough. that's Fair you know, I mean, it, it's symptom of the times, but also yeah. Uh,
0: so she was 12 years old in 1905 and she married William A. Jacobs. Uh, the following year, she gave birth to a healthy baby girl named that she named Verla. She gave um, birth at 13. Yep. Oh. <laughs> Her husband, okay. her husband, her husband ended up abandoning her shortly after that, which is really Yeah.
1: So, wow. Imagine. Props to William. Imagine a 12 year old getting married, not having the best marriage in the world. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yep.
0: Um, To make ends meet after her husband abandoned her, she began working 14 hour days at a cotton mill. Now, there's no clear um, indication of what she did at that cotton mill. Um, She did work really hard labor, though. Um, I saw in a couple of or a couple of articles out there. um, It was really hard work, whatever she was doing at that cotton mill. Um, in 1907, at the North Carolina State Fair, so a few years after she, uh, after she married that guy, Tiny saw the performance, the Broadwicks and their famous French aeronauts. Okay, um, This performance included aeronauts ascending through the sky, sitting on a trapeze bar under an inflated hot air balloon. And once reaching a certain height, they jumped from the bar and
1: parachuted back down to the ground.
0: Can you visualize that? Can you see what that's supposed to look like?
1: Um, I can, I guess I don't know how high off the ground. I mean, with a hot air balloon, you can get pretty high. Yeah. They roughly, um, they're they roughly went, back to the ground. They have to have enough height to not go Yeah, squat.
0: They, they roughly went to about 3000 feet. Roughly. Okay. Um, but I want to make a very clear, very clear clarification here. Um, there was no basket on this hot air balloon. It was literally a trapeze park. That's it.
1: How do they control it to get it back down?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I need to look more into that. And that's not something that I, that I researched at all, to be honest. That's that's another episode, to be honest. That's an aeronaut episode there. Uh, Well,
1: on this subject, and, and maybe it's another question you can't answer right this second, but where in the long timeline of skydiving is this taking place? Like how long has this been a discipline that somebody some insane person put something on their back and then actually yeah Blue.
0: So Charles Broadwick, um, he, we're gonna get into him in another episode, to be honest, but he was one of those pioneers in the aeronaut field and the hot air balloon industry for a very, very long time. He is not in the inventor of what we would consider the skydiving parachute as we know it today. Um, mm-hmm. so this is the really, really early days of skydiving, like as a like I wouldn't even say it is as, as a sport. It's a spectate. It's like a spectacle, is what it is. Sure. It's used for entertainment purposes at this point. It is not used for like commercial or sports jumping quite yet um it's very much a a like kind of like a circus act if you can Mm -hmm. think if you think about it like that like people gather to watch these guys perform um or like a trapeze artist perform um it's not really like something that people just do for fun quite yet that's the gist i get anyway um but we're gonna look more into that into a charles broadwick episode later on down the line uh because his story is wild
1: as well imagine that the history's earliest skydivers having wild stories. <laughs> yeah, I think it checks out. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, come on! What? I immediately <laughs> regret the decision. <laughs> Shut up on this episode. Uh, I'm just saying, like what? What? Jonathan from the suburbs of 1892 is like, <laughs> I have a normal life. I'm, oh, you know, inheriting my family's store. But what I really am gonna do is jump out of a hot air balloon. Like, come on, the the yeah, <laughs> yep,
0: yep. All right, moving on. <laughs> um. So at the time that this was all going on, uh, the North Carolina State Fair, Broadwicks and their famous French aer- aeronauts. At the time, this event was super thrilling. It was exotic for onlookers to witness. Um. Tiny had decided right then and there at the North Carolina State Fair, that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to do what they were doing. Tiny was even quoted later on saying, like when she was recounting this experience, she was saying, when I when I saw that balloon go up, I knew that's all I ever wanted to do. So she was sold hook, line and sinker right away without even having tried it. Um. She ended up speaking with Charles Broadwick, the creator and the operator of the show, and asked if she could join the troupe. Um, to begin with, Broadwick was a bit hesitant to let her join, but later on was convinced after realizing that with her small size and very pretty looks, she would be a really good, great addition to the show, like a, ra- a great addition. He hired her, and Tiny's mother and father agreed to let her go on the condition that she left her, or she leave her. She left her daughter Verla behind with them, and that she was to send money back to them to help support
1: her daughter. So, so, couple thoughts. I don't sure. want to like make your podcast political, so you can cut this out. <laughs> honestly, honestly, good for her. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not advocating for single moms to leave their children behind. I'm advocating here for a 14-year-old who was married at 12, gave birth at 13, and then at 14 was finally given a chance to try and pick something for her own life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm for that. It's a different time, man. (laughs) It it is a different time. And I'm, you know, yeah, I'm aware this is a hot take. Real gross. It's not kind, but it's also good for you. You're 14 live your life, girl. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to baby that is going to be raised by grandparents. I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but also live your life, girl.
0: Do you think? Uh, <laughs> so following all this, Charles Broadwick began training her to perform with the troupe. And in 1908, he legally adopted her. Um, at the time, it was, in consi- it was considered improper for young women to travel with older men, which is why her family accepted the adoption at all. Um, but it's important to note and this was a little confusing amongst the different sources. Uh, in some of them, it said that Charles and Tiny were referenced as like a married couple, but that it was likely written that way to make travel arrangements easier. Um, however, there's no definitive answer on what the official official reasoning was for this. Um, there's really no like indication about what their relationship was like. And I th- think there's a reason for that. I think the reason is that I don't know. I don't know if it's like we don't want to tarnish the memory of either one of them or if we're if that really was just the the case. Like there's really no indication about why it's referenced that way in different sources. Some sources it says like it's a father daughter relationship. Some sources say that they're referenced as a married couple. Some uh, sources say that they're referenced as a married couple, but it's because to make travel arrangements easier. Like there's really no clear indication about what their relationship was really like. So putting that out into the ether. Regardless. I just,
1: okay. (laughs) I mean, I thought we were having a celebrated moment of girl power and now I'm I'm a little bit fearful for Miss Tiny here, but. It's a good
0: ending, I promise. Um, Regardless of any of that, from that moment on, her name was officially Tiny Broadwick. She was an official, she was officially Tiny Broadwick. Um, In 1908, a year after she joined the aeronaut troop, Tiny made her very first jump at the North Carolina State Fair. So full circle. The moment she saw it, she came all the way back around. First jump was back at the North Carolina State Fair. She was 15 years old at the time. She loved the experience, even though she ended up landing in a blackberry bush at the end of it. Um she was quoted as saying, "I tell you, honey, it was the most wonderful sensation in the world. From up in the air, I can appreciate the beauty of the earth from a new perspective and felt like I was in the presence of God." Um and that was the beginning of a parachuting career that would last her entire young adult life. Wow.
1: <laughs> wow. Um wow. Glad she likes it. I'm excited that she likes it. That's good. It's kind of- it's reminding me of some stuff I've read, uh, a book by Mary Roach called Packing for Mars. Some of the descriptions of, like, astronauts seeing Earth for the first time outside of mm-hmm. um, our atmosphere. This has got to be one of the closest ways to have seen that in this time. At that <laughs> time, yeah, at that time. Yeah. Right?
0: Um, what I will say, too, like, we'll talk about it a little later on, but, like, some of these jumps were sketch as fuck okay like there the were she landed in
1: a blackberry bush no, no no
0: that's not even the worst part like some some of these instances like these aeronauts were were like suit like they had a death wish at the time like they they had no control over that hot air balloon when they took off so they could have hit anything on the ascent like it was not just a straight up movement it was a forward and up movement and like they would because they're doing this in the middle of you know spectators they're doing this in the middle like on the edges of town sometimes the wind um or the drafts would pick them up and send them straight into obstacles they would hit buildings they would hit billboards they would hit uh trees like it was real sketch for like the first part of that ascent um for a lot of different, uh a lot of different aeronauts at the time. And then on top of that, the landings were insane, like insane. Like there was no control over those parachutes. So there was no guarantee you weren't gonna land in town on a building or in a bush or on a vehicle. Like there was there was no way to know where you were you were gonna land, you know, ahead of time. So it was like a lot of this was real sketch, like just across the board. Just to be clear. So what she's doing as a 15-year-old, like pretty ballsy pretty ballsy across the board um to get back to it though while on their tours charles broadwick took advantage of tiny's looks you know she was a very young very pretty girl be,
1: and be, see i oh
0: okay it's from sorry. a business standpoint okay from a business standpoint oh,
1: right? All right. All right.
0: All right. as far as i know um so he took advantage <laughs> of tiny's looks and because of her small stature he billed her as the doll girl Okay, She performed all of her aerial stunts in very girlish clothes that typically consisted of ruffled bloomers, pink bows on her arms and ribbons in her hair that was curled into ringlets. The entire ensemble was finished with a bonnet on her head. And when she was interviewed later, she said very vehemently that I hate being dressed up like a doll. She said she was a tomboy at heart and just did not enjoy the dressing up part of this entire endeavor. Um Tiny performed really daring jumps, sometimes with flares or torches, which is wild considering their parachutes were made of
1: linen. <laughs> like fucking crazy! Oh my god! Yeah, what, what yep. Can see from the ground, like what is the what is the fire adding at three thousand feet? I have no idea. <laughs> you know, like, no, I don't, uh, no clue. Also, we're no dropping something like that. No yes. idea. She had several
0: very harrowing mishaps during her career. She once landed on the top of a caboose of a train. So I'm coming back around to some of those sketch landings. That's she got tangled. She thing. ended up, she ended up landing in a windmill and got tangled up in the, um. I, I guess the fans, I guess is what I would call them. And then she also landed in high tension wires, which was real fun. She Ooh. had, ve- she had many rough landings in which she broke bones and dislocated her shoulder on several occasions, but overall Despite all of those things, she never lost her enthusiasm for jumping, which pretty cool, I guess. Like, keep on keeping on. Uh, Tiny and Charles Broadwick traveled all over the country with their balloon act, but by 1912, their performance was losing popularity. It was no longer, like, in fashion at that point. Um, A new opportunity had presented itself when Tiny met a pilot by the name of Glenn Martin. For anyone who knows who that is, like, awesome, good on you, but if you don't know who that is... Glenn Martin um, founded a company that is still in business today and is operating under the name Martin Marietta. Uh, they produce airplanes. So the man had the man had skills. The man created an empire. Um, after seeing or after having seen Tiny jump from a balloon, Martin approached her and asked her if she'd like to try it from an airplane instead. She agreed to work for Martin after that conversation. It only took one conversation and she was in. She's a daredevil. What, um, did you do this? This was in 1912.
1: Okay. I'm trying to remember like Orville and Wilbur Wright flying a plane. When was that? Like 1903 19- um, maybe? I should know this but I don't. I'm just trying to to get a sense of like how Uh what so yeah. you had here? it
0: you had it on the date. The Wright brothers made their first flight, um their first November? successful flight in December 17th, 1903.
1: In Little Rock, North Carolina. Uh, no.
0: no, Arkansas.
1: I Arkansas, Little Rock. I don't know. Kitty don't Hawk. Know. No, no, we were so wrong. It's Kitty oh, Hawk, Little North Rock, Carolina. Kitty Hawk. I'm like, I know it was in North Carolina. But <laughs> we Little Rock so sounds an awful lot like Kitty Rock in like yeah. in no, Kitty no. Hawk. It's Kitty Hawk, like I a know. bird. Kitty Hawk. So Kitty Hawk. Little rock. You understand where my brain like, <laughs> Yeah, I you know.
0: It. You <laughs> double, it. It's a double T word and then hawk and rock. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I totally like, understand.
1: You wonder, can we all just, <laughs> let's ignore the last 20 seconds of my brain melting down and just be impressed that I remembered 1903. <laughs> Good job, Shana.
0: You got it. <laughs> all right. So to prepare for the airplane jump, Charles developed a brand new type of parachute for her made of silk. Okay. They used to use linen prior to that. Now where they were using silk. Um, it was packed why into silk. a box. Oh, huh? I,
1: I was curious if they made a uh you know justification for why silk. Because it, um, it was stronger, it was more weather resistant. It was stronger
0: and it's a tighter weave. Um I didn't really look into that's for another episode, to be honest. Um mm-hmm. the the evolution and the history of the parachute. Um but I assume just off the top of my head, it's a tighter weave. So it's more air resistance. So there's more lift involved, and it's probably stronger okay. to be super real. Okay. So, new type of parachute for her made of silk. Um, oh, by the way, that's just a guess. So if I'm wrong, guys, like don't don't beat me down. I'm really sorry. It's just a guess. Um, they had previously used linen. So this entire thing, this entire parachute, it's a round parachute made out of silk. It was packed into a knapsack attached to a canvas jacket with harness straps. Okay. This is the very first version of the coat pack parachute. OK, this is a very, very, very early iteration of what we know as a skydiving rig today. OK, if is you this, look
1: at. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask if this is similar to like, you know, kids throwing army figures with big balloons. No. Is this not no. OK? It's not no, the no. same. Um, that's
0: that's that's different. This is literally a coat. <laughs> it's li- like if you look at if you look at photos of this. It looks like a fucking coat, <laughs> like with a parachute on the back. That's like it literally like there's no definition in any of the photos or the diagrams out there about whether or not it has like leg straps. If it has like a butt strap or a belly strap, whatever it is, like there's got to be something better under there. That, like The zipper doesn't break. Yeah. Uh, well, I assume it was probably like used with it probably wasn't zipper. Eh, maybe it was. I don't know. I, I don't, don't know, know how the else you in it in a way
1: that is foolproof against yeah
0: body weight. <laughs> I don't think Velcro had been invented by then. I don't think that there was uh I don't know if it was zippers or if it was tied across to you. I don't really know how it was. Like there's like when I say there are no resources out there about what this thing is supposed to look like or how it works, like there's no clear indication of what a coat pack like how it was worn on you other than that it looks like a coat. <laughs> like that you're wearing a coat with a parachute over the back of it. The coat came down around their butts, like it came down around their hips so you could just see like their their upper like a little bit of their upper legs and their knees down. Um and then it came up and over the shoulders and it clearly has a strap like in the midsection. Um running back to the rig like the actual parachute container itself but other than that there's really not any clear indications of how that thing is supposed to work i assume it probably has leg straps i don't know how you would stay in the harness without it or some some something underneath their butts. Um I don't know if it's like a if it was like an early version of a paragliding seat or a paragliding harness or if it was like a skydiving harness. I couldn't find any good resources that explained that to me, but if you look at photos, it literally looks like a coat. So keep that in mind, okay? horrifying horrifying (laughs) Horrifying. nice shauna all right um so the whole thing was packed into the knapsack okay or into the into the rig itself and it was attached to the canvas jacket with harness straps okay um a string or an or or a, a cord or an early version of the static line, was fastened to the plane's fuselage and then woven into the parachute's canvas covering. Okay, This is a very, very early version of a static line. When Tiny jumped from the plane, the cover of the pack tore away with the static line, um, and then her parachute was deployed. The very, very first jump took place on June 21st, 1913, so a year after Glenn Martin approached her. The jump was performed on a Martin's biplane tiny was suspended from a trap seat it's legitimately just a sling um nothing solid if you look at the photos it's literally a fabric sling underneath the wing of the airplane <laughs> um and she was seated behind the wing and outside the cockpit cock excuse me jesus christ seated outside the cockpit okay so she's literally sitting under the wing um before she before she jumps from the jumps from the plane now this is really complicated um for a lot of reasons. Okay. So to be to be super f- to be fair, okay? I saw one resource that quoted Glenn Martin saying that Tiny climbed out of the the plane when it was time to jump like he climbed out of the cockpit. I've also seen resources that say she was suspended in that seat for the entire flight up, okay? Um no matter what, <laughs> if you know what a biplane looks like, either climbing out of it or being suspended underneath it like I think that's equally badass <laughs> that she either had the strength to climb out of a moving airplane okay and didn't just get ripped off the fuselage and then if she was sat under suspended suspended underneath that airplane the entire flight up like holy shit ballsy. So like no matter what the version is like that's pretty amazing with either version either story in in my opinion. Do you understand? I, do you do you can you visualize what's happening right now, Shauna? All
1: I'm seeing is a death trap. Uh there's no reason <laughs> I'm not a skydiver, okay? And it's not like a fear of heights. I've done the skydiving thing. It's it's great, it's cute. I enjoy the whole wow, there's a person here with a safety video. They've done this a gajillion times. <laughs> there's helmets, there's like rules. Like controlled chaos as opposed to spectacle is where <laughs> I live. that's that's my very very um, safe office job perspective on skydiving. <laughs> okay.
0: there's always going to be people who push the envelope and that's how our that's how our whole sport and our whole world moves
1: forward so there's yeah, always going to be people like that yeah how do you find out you need to have leg straps on your parachute until somebody falls out of it. Yep. <laughs> I'm just yep. saying. That's why I don't
0: understand why skydiving in movies, like when they make the harness only on the chest, I'm like, how? Physics, man. How?
1: Or when, that I work? Mean, how many movies are there where it's like two people just like hugging each other yeah. while they skydive with yeah. one hand? Yeah. It's showing that she's pretty fearless. It's showing that. You know, we only got like a few quotes from her so far, but it's really clear that she enjoys this from what I've heard so far. Yeah, and you know, it takes it takes all kinds. We the world needs people <laughs> like Tiny who are willing to go the distance. Uh, but Listen I'm to her just spitballing right now. <laughs> here's the thing: I'm the person sitting in the popcorn stand, being like. Yikes! Wow. Around for me, not for me. Hopefully, not for any of my loved ones. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> okay. But hey, Tiny, you sound like a cool person. All right, back to it. Martin
0: took the plane up to two thousand feet, and when Tiny was ready, she released a lever on the seat, allowing it to literally drop out from underneath her. Okay. Um, the static line deployed the parachute. The jump was a success. She landed in Griffith Park in LA, making her the very first woman ever in history to parachute from an airplane. So round of applause for Tiny Broadwick. Yeah. Had
1: had people parachute from planes before that.
0: Yes. She was the first woman to do so though. Got it, got it. Yep. Okay.
1: Um later that year. Oh, wait, excuse
0: me. So after that jump, Tiny became very popular all over the country. And later that year, she also ended up being the very first person to jump from a seaplane and into a body of water. That body of water was Lake Michigan. So, oh cool. god, at what time of year? I know, I know, cold. cold. For those, for
1: those, you well, know, okay, so to be super real, have never been in a I great mean, lake before. Uh, the great I got lakes got some, <laughs> are I <got> cold. <laughs> During the summer, it is still cold. Oh my God. In the, in the bright sun of July, if it was cloudy and rainy the day before, it is cold. (laughs) Even if the day that you're going into the water, the next day is all sunny. Mm -mm. It takes days to warm those things up. It takes months. It takes months to warm those things up. (laughs) Even even in the height of summer. It's still cold. So when, what time of year was she jumping out of seaplane? So the first
0: jump, the first one out of Glenn Martin's airplane was, uh, June 21st, 1913. So late sometime later on that year, maybe it was in August when it was a little warmer. I didn't, I didn't get any dates on that. I just, just ended up being later that year. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Lake Michigan is the second largest great lakes or of the great lakes of the five of them up there. And Sean is right. If you're from the Midwest, you know that those lakes are insanely cold, like year round it, like they are, they take forever to warm up to the point where you can swim in them and swim comfortably. Um, it is, she's not lying. Those are, those are cold, cold lakes. And if it ended up being like where she jumped into that body of water, like closer into the fall or into the winter, like woof, woof. Mm-hmm. Those are, that is, that's ballsy all on its own. Wild. All mm-hmm. right. In 1914, her reputation had taken off and it led to the U.S. Army contacting her. Uh, World War One was raging in Europe at the time. Um, many pilots were lost because they had no way to escape from their falling air- airplanes or their airplanes that were on fire. Uh, Tiny was then asked to demo jumping from a military airplane. And this is where the introduction of the official coat pack parachute came into play. Okay, Essentially, it took that parachute okay, and it packed directly into the canvas jacket. All right, that we've already explained a little bit about how that works, but this is where it became legit and official, the military coming in and adopting it. That's what made it official. Um, She accepted the military's offer and made a four total demo jumps. Okay. Her first three were uneventful. Like they went off without a hitch. They did like exactly what was expected. Okay. The fourth one, however, was a little different. Okay. The static line became entangled in the plane's tail assembly when she jumped out um, and strong wings had kept her from being able to get back inside the airplane instead of panicking She had the brilliant idea of cutting the static line and going into free fall. So she reached up, she swiped that static line, and she went into free fall from that airplane. She then reached back and manually pulled the rest of the line with her hands still attached to the parachute and opened the entire thing all on her own by hand, which was pretty epic. Uh, For anyone listening that's a skydiver, this was, in in essence, the very, very first Planned free fall descent and the first demo of what would later be called the ripcord.
1: Mm. So I don't know if you know what a ripcord is, Shauna. Do you know what a ripcord yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know like the context with like modern skydiving, mean, but I. Yeah. Yep, I so, understand what's happening.
0: So think of a ripcord as like a um, it's like a handle that is detachable from your rig. When you pull it, right? When you pull a ripcord. Um, out of the loop that contains the entire rig, or that uh, what's what's a better way to say that that um, holds the entire rig together. Once that ripcord is gone, that loop um, basically goes through a whole bunch of grommets and releases the entire parachute and makes it deploy. Essentially, it opens up the entire container so that the parachute will deploy on its own. That's a, that's a ripcord essentially.
1: Okay yeah I mean that's what you use anytime to open up a parachute.
0: no, no, not necessarily. This is um something that some students still use. um it was an early version of like deploying your parachute. There were these things well, there still are I guess. um, but back in the day they used spring load pilot spring loaded pilot shoot pilot. oh my God. what is wrong? It is so late at it's like 10 pm <laughs> right now. I'm <laughs> sorry. I am ta- I'm just like stumbling over my words. back in the day. The primary, the primary thing to use to deploy the parachute was a ripcord and a spring-loaded pilot chute. Okay. A spring-loaded pilot chute is a is a pilot chute as we know it, right? A big piece of fabric that catches the wind. That's in, that's its intent, right? And a, with a spring with a big, tightly coiled uh, metal spring in the middle. So that when the container was open, right, when the ripcord was pulled and the parachute or in the container itself opened. Um, the spring-loaded pilot chute re- was released from under that tension and it popped off someone's back and the uh, the pilot chute collected air or caught air and it deployed the parachute. That's essentially how it used to be done. Some places still use that method for student skydiving. Most places have now adopted uh, a pull-out um, or a throw-out uh, pilot chute, which is a little different. Similar idea, which is a little bit different. And my... Um, my assumption as to why it progressed that way is because you don't have a detachable piece um that you could potentially lose um and it's cleaner easier air for the parachute to be deployed when you use a throwout versus a spring-loaded pilot chute. so for reasons we won't get into but that's why I assume it was it it went that it went the way it did so do you understand what's going on now with like the rip cord do you get it
1: I do. I mean, it's interesting that they were using static lines in the first place that they weren't trying to find ways of giving more choice to the person who's
0: yeah well i think i think that was i mean i don't know a lot about this part of history about skydiving history but i assume what it was is it it's a it's a speed thing like they're getting it out instantaneously so they have a bunch of time to deal with the problem i think at the time too as well free fall wasn't a thing like they didn't know how to fly they didn't know how to balance they didn't have really any reference for those types of things so what was tried and true was getting out of the plane and have your parachute instantly deployed, you know? Um, but this, this particular instant instance demonstrated that you could manually do this on your own, right? You could manually pull this parachute and we could go into free fall. We could start messing around with free fall and like, um, balancing acts and, uh, understanding like wing distribution of a, of a human body, which pretty cool, like pretty momentous occasion. And uh, at the time, how old was she? It would have been 1914. So she was. Let's see, how old was she? Uh, uh, 21. Yeah, right? she would have been 21 at the time. Which wild! 21 year old woman credited you need calculator for that one. Good job, Shauna. <laughs> That's why you're the math person and I'm the skydiver. <laughs> you're
1: not really the math person. It takes me a while. Still, but...
0: Um. Yeah. So a 21 year old woman is credited with the very first freefall descent, planned free descent. And the first demo of the ripcord, right? Fantastic. Pretty cool. With that jump, she had proven that a pilot could return to the ground safely after bailing out of an airplane. Okay. So the military adopted that method. They started putting coat pack parachutes in with their pilots um, so that some of them had a chance of uh, bailing out of a, a, a an airplane that was going down and thus saving pilots' lives, retaining pilots for, you know, the military, like just all around fantastic fantastic thing and in a in a small piece of um a small piece of uh extra history here for anybody that doesn't know skydiving as a commercial business skydiving as like a sport was developed from the military using it in war like in war okay the military had the military not adopted uh you know these types of methods or these types of um tools we probably would not be skydiving the way that we are today or at least in the, the frequency that we are um had the military not gotten into skydiving or not used skydiving as a tool in war we probably would not be doing things the way that we are so just a little bit of history like that's where we're that's where our origination it comes from like that's where, excuse me that's where we are uh, originate from is from the military using this as a tool for themselves so
1: i mean yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff Kind of like that. I mean, not, yeah. uh, you know, in sports, but like the federal highway. Yeah. That, that's that's pretty tied to mm-hmm. decisions made after, was it Eisenhower? Uh,
0: You're asking the wrong person. You're the president person. I don't know. It's, it's I'm just
1: saying rough. the the kind of national interstate system was initially yeah. developed as a way of being able to mobilize better militarily. Mm-hmm. Across the U.S.
0: So after that jump in 1912, I think, right? Let's see, when was that? No. So before that jump, so before that jump, just a little bit of history on Tiny's life. Okay. She was married to a man named Andrew Olson, but that marriage ended up not working out. Okay. Um, while continuing, she was this, a teenager when that happened, by the
1: second, way. This is okay. Oh, I am so confused. So she yeah. was married to some schmuck when she, she was 12. Was, yeah. Had birth, gave birth at 13, dad left. She maybe, maybe wasn't with Broadwick. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And then in between this time, there's another guy who also. Ended yeah, up. 19
0: in 1912, a few years before the big airplane jump, she married a man named Andrew Olson. But that mm-hmm. marriage didn't work. Um, she continued to perform exhibition jumps in California. And she married a man named Harry Brown in 1916. He, however, okay. did not approve of her continued parachuting and left her in 1920, which sayonara, man. Like User. peace out, man. Weenie. Yeah. 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 Anyway, men at that time, yuck, gross, gross, (laughs) yuck. Anyway, okay, so Tiny's last jump was in 1922 in San Diego. She was 29 years old. Um, Problems with her ankles prevented her from continuing as a a parachutist. She had way too many injuries. Like, she had broken too many bones. She had to retire for her own health. Um, During World War II, she worked at the Roar Aircraft Company and lived in California afterwards. In her parachuting career, she ended up winning a whole bunch of honors and awards. Among them, some of the notable ones are the U.S. Pioneer Aviation Award, the John Glenn Medal. She was rewarded, yeah, she was rewarded the Gold Wings of the Adventurers Club in L.A. And she was also an honorary member of the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg. She earned that in 1976 at 83 years of age, so... Honorary member. Pretty cool. Um, She also appeared on a few different television shows in her life as well. She was on episode 55 of You Bet Your Life. She was on Mysteries at the Museum in season 11. And uh, she went on to be on a TV show called To Tell the Truth. She ended up completing over 1,100 jumps in her lifetime, which at like wild, wild number of skydives, Given the nature of the time, like 1100, 1100 of them. That's insane. Anyway, although she's not a pilot, she is one of the few women in the early birds of aviation, which is an organization dedicated to the history of early aircraft pilots. In mm-hmm. 1964, she donated one of her original parachutes, one of the silk ones, uh, to the Smithsonian Air Museum, which is now known as the Ms. Smithsonian Miss. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Which is now known as the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum right? I've been there several times <clears> I might even be there next week Maybe yeah. be able to look out for- you should look out for it this if you if, you if you if you see it go and look for it um take a picture of it for me and I'll use it in this episode
1: okay yeah I mean I'll, yeah. I'll see. Okay.
0: Um, so the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum, that's where her parachute currently is. Okay. Um, she died in 1978 at the age of 85 and was buried in North Carolina. So she went home when she died. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> oh gosh, Let... <laughs> that All was right.
1: four, four sneezes in a row. I, oh my God. I'm afflicted with a curse <laughs> where I can't sneeze just once. I have to sneeze.
0: That's four. That was four my, of them.
1: Four of them, Sean. Oh and they God. have to be all very loud. Like I've I've worked <laughs> in big office buildings and had the entire floor go quiet because they were wondering if someone <laughs> was dying.
0: Is your brain still in your head or is it coming out your nose now?
1: <laughs> all over the sweater. <laughs> Gross. Gross. All right. <laughs> are, are we leaving this
0: in this moment? Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah yeah chef's kiss this is like a great way to end this episode (laughs) so all in all okay all in all tiny broadwick was a badass in her lifetime she had so many accomplishments under her belt at such a young age she was a pioneer she was a daredevil she pushed the envelope she said yes to everything like she crushed it as a young woman in the early 1900s like amazing amazing woman um I've been fascinated with her since I heard of her last spring, to be honest. Like, I've been on and off looking and researching her story. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of great resources out there online right now. And like I said, there's not a ton of literature about her either. Um, A lot of the stuff that's out there about her is usually in, like, Aviation Hall of Fame kind of stuff. It's usually like really short articles that just repeat the same material over and over again in slightly different ways. Um, But the stuff that is out there, like, it's amazing. It's a very, very cool story. Um, She seems like a really cool lady. And I feel like she should be more well-known in our community, to be honest. So Tiny Broadwick. Tiny Broadwick is the woman that we can... Oh, our entire our entire skydiving uh you know culture as we know it today, too, because she is the one that convinced the uh military to pick up the coat pack parachute and develop it into a rig that we know today. So hats off to Tiny Broadwick. Like pretty fucking cool in my opinion. What do you think, Shauna? Um
1: I, I mean I think she sounds like an amazing lady. I think she's she is someone who probably would think I'm boring. That's fine. Um but I feel like so many of these types of characters are lost to history. Yeah. And I'm really honestly genuinely curious what the state of uh sports history is when it comes to skydiving. I mean, I feel like there's you could read 9,000 books about like the construction of Dodger Stadium or something like other other sports that obviously still exist today but it's just it's sad that there's a lot of these folks that are only you know Mm -hmm. footnotes in history man
0: yeah no that's that's super true um that's totally fair and and quite honestly skydiving as a culture too as well as like a sport they're not really invested in historical you know historical moments um like i was actually just discussing this with another person on the on the podcast about how um skydivers don't know the statistics of jumping very well like across the board like if you ask like a baseball fan right he like a a diehard A baseball fan who lives, breathes baseball can rattle off statistics with no problem. Like he can rattle off batting averages, um, scores from previous games. Like even if they're not big momentous games, like he can rattle those things off at no, at no problem or with, with no issues. Right. You don't have that in skydiving. Like you don't have people rattling off, you know, statistics or like, um, time times or like, um, scores from different competitions over the years like that's not a thing and I don't know if it's because our community is so much smaller than than like you know the more commercial sports out there or if we're just not interested in it as as a whole it's just it's something that has always bothered me. I've always been interested in learning more about it and to be honest like this episode re- went really well. So I'm going to do more of these episodes. If you're int- if you're listening out there and you're interested in talking about a specific like part of skydiving or if something like this like um it it starts festering in your brain, reach out and let me know about it so that I can do a little bit of research and a deep dive into this stuff and maybe have you guys on the podcast to sit and chat about it, um, and tell a story about, about these, these hot topics. Um, this is something that I'm super interested in. I want to continue doing these. If you are also interested in it, reach out to me and let's connect and let's chat. Okay. That being said though, Shauna, I appreciate you sitting with me. I, I don't appreciate the sarcasm
1: it, to be super All real, right. but <laughs> <Sarcasm>. <laughs> you know exactly Guys, what I'm talking uh... about. For these listeners at home, I know you're wondering. <laughs> I'm almost done sewing in all of this on <laughs> <laughs> this, fun, this sweater. So this has been a lovely productive use of my time. <laughs> I hope you guys have been engaging in some similar hobby oh. while you listen to me and Sam today.
0: My guess is that most people are either working or driving right now. So that's when I listen to podcasts anyways, when I'm driving.
1: So I gotta listen to music while I'm driving, otherwise I'm gonna totally zone out and be a danger to everybody
0: no that's so weird (laughs) so weird i drone out when i listen to music if i have something to like register and think about i'm actually staying fixated on the road which is wild anyway so weird so weird anyway thank you for being here thank you for taking the time to sit and chat with me i really appreciate it to everyone listening thank you for
1: (laughs) oh my god what is wrong with me tonight if we left in my as we have to leave in you coughing. Fine, I will.
0: To everyone listening, <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate you for joining us. I appreciate you for listening. If you have any suggestions, feel free to reach out for these types of episodes. I would love to hear from you. That being said, we're going to end it here. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your night. Be safe. Peace, guys.